This morning we are starting a year-long journey through the Gospel of Mark. I've chosen Mark because it says a lot about Jesus, and it has a lot to say also about being his disciples and being his disciple-makers. Remember, our vision as a church is to be a connecting place, to be disciples of Jesus who lovingly connect others with him. In other words, we want to be Jesus' disciples, and we want to be his disciple-makers. And that's the reason behind this study. We, we begin this morning with Mark 1, verses 1 through 8. Let, let me read that for you. It says, The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region, and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message, after me will come one more powerful than I am. The, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with, with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's pause and pray. Dear, dear Father, I pray your blessing upon our time this morning in, in your word. God, I thank you so very much for the privilege of being able to bring forth this message but God, I pray that all of us, including myself, that, that we will open our hearts and minds to the message that you have for us. And so speak to us this morning. That is our prayer. In your son's name, amen. Over the past six weeks, we have been looking at the Christmas story and the special names given to Jesus in that story. As part of that study, we considered the other three Gospels and what they had to say about Jesus' coming. In the first chapter of Matthew, an angel tells Joseph in a dream that Mary was having God's son. And he was to name him Jesus, and he would be called Emmanuel. In the first chapter of Luke, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her that she is going to have the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. And in the second chapter of Luke, an angel announces to shepherds that a Savior had been born to them that night in Bethlehem, Christ the Lord. And in the first chapter of John, Jesus is called the Word, and the Word, as we learn, became flesh and dwelt among us. But but the first chapter of Mark, I mean there are no angels, no dream. It mentions no birth in Bethlehem. Instead, it seem it it begins with this simple pronouncement with some of the special names for Jesus. 
Look, look at Mark 1, ver, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, and the word gospel means good news. And so Mark wants to share the good news about Jesus, our Savior. The good news about Christ, the, the Jews' promised Messiah. The good news about the very Son of God. And Mark's good news about Jesus begins with a quotation from an Old Testament prophet. But, but this prophecy has nothing to do with Jesus. Instead, it's a prophecy about John the Baptist who was to prepare the way for Jesus. Mark, Mark 1, verses 2 and 3 says, It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. The prophet Isaiah saw this coming messenger as a kind of road builder, building a smooth and straight path for the arrival of the promised Messiah. We have probably all seen a new road built I mean, it takes a lot of planning, a lot of engineering, a lot of construction. Building a road is not an easy task. And it would not be an easy task for John the Baptist to prepare people and people's hearts for Jesus' coming. It would require a lot of sacrifice, a lot of preaching, and a lot of courage. But John got the job done. He prepared many in Israel for the Lord's coming. And this morning, I would like for John the Baptist to prepare us for the Lord's coming among us. I I believe that Jesus can do something great among us this year as we travel uh, through the Gospel of Mark. I, I believe if we will let him, he can do greater things among us than ever before. But we need to prepare our hearts and lives for Jesus to do this great work. And it's my prayer today that John will use, or that God will use, John the Baptist to prepare us spiritually as he used him to prepare Israel spiritually for the Lord's coming. And according to John's story, there are two parts to getting ready for Jesus to work in our lives. Part number one, we prepare for Jesus to do great things when we give him our lives. I mean, that's exactly what's happening in John the Baptist's ministry. Crowds of people were giving their lives over to God. Mark describes the scene this way in Mark 1, 4, and 5. And, and so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Notice it says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to John. It seems that everyone in that region had heard about this strange prophet who was preaching in the desert along the Jordan River. He wore garments made of camel's hair, 
tied at the waist with a leather belt. And it says that he ate locusts and wild honey. But what attracted the people to John the Baptist was not the clothing that he wore. It was not his diet. Instead, it was his message. It was a message of forgiveness. Paul was preaching, or excuse me, John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so many people were confessing their sins and being baptized by John in the Jordan River. I mean, these people wanted what we all want, to have our sins, our wrongs forgiven by God. And how they found that forgiveness is how we find our forgiveness in surrendering our lives to God. Finding forgiveness for our sins involves three actions on our part. And the first action is confession. Admitting our sins. The people confessed their sins. They admitted their wrongs before they were baptized. And we too must confess our sins and admit our wrongs before we are baptized. But confession of sin does not end in the baptistry. Even as disciples of Jesus, we're going to do some things wrong. We're going to sin, and those sins, those wrongs need to be confessed for them to be forgiven. In our Bible reading this week, we read about David's sin of adultery with Bathsheba. A sin that he had tried to first cover up, but then finally he confessed his sin and found God's forgiveness. David wrote about it in Psalm 32, verse number 5. He says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. The same thing happens when we stop trying to hide our sins and confess them. God forgives us. God takes away our guilt, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. The first action in finding forgiveness, then, is confession, admitting our sins. The second action is repentance, turning from our sins. This was part of John the Baptist's message. As the people gave their lives over to God, they were to repent. They were to turn away from their sins and to turn towards God. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist confronted those who came for baptism, but were not interested in repenting. I mean, they weren't really interested in turning their lives to God. Look at Matthew 3, verses 7 and 8. But when he, that's John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John expected these Jewish leaders to prove by the way that they live that they had repented of their sins and turned to God. 
And Jesus expects us to prove by the way that we live that we have repented of our sins and turn to God. When Jesus began his own ministry, he also preached a message of repentance. And we today preach a message of repentance. Jesus is wanting his disciples to live changed lives. He wants us to live changed lives. Turning from sin and turning towards God. The second action then in finding forgiveness is repentance. Turning from our sins. And the third action is baptism. Being cleansed of our sins. John's baptism, according to Mark, was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of of their sins. John preached that the people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned towards God, and with that they found forgiveness. See, see, there was a spiritual cleansing that took place when the people were baptized, and there is a spiritual cleansing that takes place when we are baptized, when we are immersed. <laughs> I, I want you to know that there are some differences between John's baptism and Christian baptism, and we're going to address some of those differences a little later in this message. But there are several things that are alike. In both John's baptism and Christian baptism, there is a need to confess our sins, admitting our wrongs. In both John's baptism and Christian baptism, there is a need to repent of our sins, turning from sin and turning towards God. And in both John John both John's baptism and Christian baptism, there is a need for spiritual cleansing. Just listen to what Ananias told Saul to, to do in Acts twenty two sixteen when he desired to become a disciple of Jesus. Here's what he said. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Saul's sins were washed away when he was baptized by Ananias. The people's sins were washed away when they were baptized by John the Baptist, and people's sins are washed away when they're baptized, when we're baptized. The third action in finding forgiveness is baptism, being cleansed of our sins. And all three of these actions, confession, repentance, and baptism, are part of giving our lives over to God. That's what is needed. That is what is needed for Jesus to do great things in our lives this year. Surrendering ourselves fully to Him. Not just on the day that we become Christians, but it should be our desire for every day. I just want you to listen to the first uh, a few verses from the hymn, I Surrender All. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him In his daily presence live. All to Jesus I surrender. 
Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. That's the kind of surrender that we see in the ministry of John the Baptist. And people, that is the kind of surrender that we need to see among us in our church's ministry. It is part one in getting ready for Jesus to work in our lives. We prepare for Jesus to do great things when we give Him our lives. And then part two, we prepare for Jesus to do greater things when He gives us His Holy Spirit. Listen to John the Baptist's message in Mark 1, 7 and 8. And this is his message. After me will come one more powerful than I. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist came to prepare people for Jesus' coming. And he makes it clear that Jesus is far greater, more powerful than he is. He wasn't even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. I learned in my study this week that not even a Jewish slave was required to to untie his master's sandals. And so John is saying that he isn't even worthy of being Jesus' slave. Jesus is far far greater than John the Baptist. And Jesus' baptism is far greater than John's baptism. John baptized people with water in the Jordan River, but Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The, The apostle Peter proclaimed that truth on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse number 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. According to to Peter, there are two major differences between John's baptism and Christian baptism. First, in Christian baptism, we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We are baptized because of our faith in Him, and it is that faith that saves us. And second, in Christian baptism, we receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's exactly what John promised, that we would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we underestimate the value of having God's Holy Spirit in our life. I want you to hear something that Jesus said the night before his death on the cross. It's over in John, the 14th chapter, in verse number 12. He said, very truly, I tell you, 
Whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I mean, did you catch that? What Jesus promised those who believed in him? That, that they would do even greater things because he was going to return to the Father. And in John 14, Jesus deals with two things that will help the disciples do greater things. The power of Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of praying in Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. This makes me wonder about the greater things that can be done among us in this year ahead. The greater things that can be done through the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. There's an article on the Guidepost website entitled, Pray with the Power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read the last paragraph of that article. It says, as we pray with the power of the Holy Spirit, He brings things to our minds we have long forgotten. He warns us of dangers we cannot foresee, opens our insight into who Jesus is, and surprise supernatural healings to wounds we have forgotten we suffered. He points out our need for the confession of sin that we would rather not face, and helps us pray for a future that we cannot even imagine. I mean, did you catch that last thing in that paragraph? The Holy Spirit helps us pray for a future that we cannot even imagine. And that's what I want to do right now with you. I want to just take a few moments here and pray for a future that we cannot even imagine. We need to get ready for Jesus to work in our lives more than ever before. We need to get ready for him to do great things as we give ourselves wholly to him. And we need to get ready for him to do greater things because of the Holy Spirit that he has given us. And so, let's pray for great things and even greater things from Jesus and for Jesus in 2021. Well, let's pray. Dear Father, I do pray uh, that you will work uh, among us in, in greater and greater ways. God, I pray that collectively and individually that we would give ourselves fully, that we would just give ourselves fully to you, that we would, as the hymn said, surrender all to you, God. God, just work. Just work in our lives. We seek you, we seek your kingdom, we seek your will above our own. And so we're praying. We're praying for you to work. We're praying for your Holy Spirit to work in us. God, we cannot accomplish this mission of being your disciples and being your disciples makers without, again, 
your presence and your power in our lives. And so, God, we pray for that today. I pray that for each individual who's listening, that God's Spirit might work in them more than ever before. God, I thank you so very much for the promise that you've given us. I thank you so very much for your presence. I I thank you so very much for your spirit. And now I pray for great and greater things in 2021. Work here in our church. Work here in our community. That's our prayer. In the powerful name of your son Jesus. Amen. Before we close this morning, let me, let me share some practical applications with you. Let me, let me suggest three things that we need to do as a result of this morning's message. Number one, be ready for Jesus and his Holy Spirit to do great things and even greater things in your life. Be ready. Be prepared. Be prepared. Uh, Again, a challenge for you just to share with us on Sundays as we make our way uh, through this uh, gospel. God God wants to do something special. He wants to do something special in your life. Number two, surrender your life fully to Jesus, committing or recommitting your life to him. People, if you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, We'd like to move you in that direction. God would like to work in your life in that way. And we'd like to be a part of that. And so if there's any way that we can minister to you, don't hesitate to to give us a call. Again, church number real easy, 217-379-4443. Or again, you can contact us through our our website, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. But for those of us who are already believers, we just need to recommit ourselves. We just need to resurrender ourselves to him fully in this year ahead. And then last of all, let Jesus and his Holy Spirit lead and empower your life in greater and greater ways. That's what I want to see happen in my life. And I pray that that's what you want to see happen in your life. And I pray that it happens in our church and in the Christian witness here, right here in the Paxton area. God has some great plans for us in this year. And so God, we're praying that God will bring about those plans. We're praying that 2020 be a lot, or 2021 be a lot better than 2020. And so we we thank you again for listening today. And uh, we look forward to sharing with you again next Sunday. And and again, feel free to join us on Sunday mornings. We believe that we can worship uh, safely if we follow certain guidelines. And so we meet on Sunday mornings at 1030. Uh, You're more than welcome to join us and share with us. We'll be seeing you next week. God bless.